Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. We are so excited that you joined us today. Our lead pastor, Pastor James Lair, is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. The vision of our church is loving and living life together in Jesus. And our motto is better together. Now, we came up with this three years ago. Now, everybody's using that motto, but it started with us. I'm claiming it. And that's what our church is all about, is being a team that works together. Because when everyone serves in some capacity in the church, BFA will be a winning team. Church is not a solo event. It is a team sport. And speaking of sports, welcome to kickoff Sunday. Yes. The only time I wear this jersey, bless God, once a year, I pull it out and it's ready to go. In fact, it might be a little dusty. You know, in the course of preparing this sermon, I was looking through the scriptures and I was amazed at the number of sports analogies and metaphors that are in the New Testament especially. In fact, there are certain Greek words in the Bible that are rooted in athletics and the Roman games. Therefore, yesterday I watched about 97 college football games in preparation and research for this sermon. I'm just doing my job. That's it. Now, no team goes into a game without a game plan. In the same way, no one should go through life without a plan. And I want you to know that God has given us a plan. He has given us a game plan for life. And I want to share with you this morning three simple principles that will make all the difference in our lives. If we will only apply these principles in our lives, we will become a winning team. We will have a game plan and we will succeed at life. And here is one of those Bible passages with a whole bunch of sports connotations into it. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. Paul the apostle said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already been obtained all this or have been already made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind And straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That's a pretty awesome passage of scripture. It's even more awesome when you realize that the Apostle Paul was in prison when he wrote these words. He was in a very difficult circumstance of life. And yet Philippians is called the book of joy because Paul is so joyful all throughout the book. And he inspires us in how we're going to live our lives. And so the first part of our game plan for life, number one, is this, to know Christ. This is our highest pursuit and greatest purpose in life. There is nothing more vital, more beneficial, or more meaningful than to truly know Jesus Christ. Now, the Apostle Paul had accomplished much in his life. Before he was a Christian, he was a well-known Pharisee, an attorney, very powerful, very influential And even after becoming a Christian, he performed miracles, including raising the dead. And he he led untold numbers of people to Jesus. And he wrote most of the New Testament. That's some great accomplishments. By all observations, Paul was a huge success, both in the world and in the church. However, none of that mattered to him compared to simply knowing Jesus. 
In fact, he said these words right before our text in Philippians 3.8. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. To Paul, all human achievements were garbage compared to knowing Jesus. He was willing to lose everything if it meant he could gain more of Christ. And he had lost everything. He had been forced out and persecuted and hunted down the rest of his life. He was willing to lose it all just to gain more of Christ. Are we willing to say the same? Are we willing to lose it all in order to gain Christ? What is our pursuit in life? What is our purpose? I want you to understand, it's not just going to work or going to school or whatever it may be. There's more to your life than just the things we do. In fact, your life will find the greatest meaning when you put as number one goal of your life to know Jesus. What would you like to achieve? How would we define success? Here is how God defines success. Look at Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom or the strong man boast of or the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts boast about this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. The goal of our lives is not mental intellect. I'm so glad because that, you know, I'm falling way short of that. Just stay with me enough and you'll know. The goal of our lives is not physical strength. Well, that's, that's fading on me pretty bad right now. In fact, this morning I have arthritis cream on both knees. I'm just letting you know. If I smell a little funny, you know, just move on. So I'm glad the goal of my life is no longer physical strength. And it's certainly not material wealth, bless God. See, that's, that, can't, that is not, as a believer in Jesus Christ, that's not your greatest purpose in life, to make money. Your greatest purpose in life is not to get as many degrees as you can. Your purpose in life is not just to ac accumulate wealth. No, those things are all secondary. The most important thing in your life as a believer in Jesus Christ is to know your Lord and Savior, who he is, his nature, his character, his ways. That's what life is all about. The only thing the Bible ever allows us to boast in is to boast that we know the Lord. And I want to tell you something. Anyone can know the Lord. This is not an achievement for only a few. You know, only a few can be professional athletes. Only a few can be billionaires and, you know, take a spaceship up into the sky. There's, there's a very small number that can do those kind of things. But anyone can know Jesus. Anyone. You don't have to be a famous athlete, a multimillionaire, or a brilliant genius. You don't have to be a theologian, or a pastor, priest, or preacher, any one of those things that start with P. You don't have to be that. Anyone can know the Lord. What an opportunity. Here's this, this opportunity we have, the most important purpose in life, to know Jesus. And do we take advantage of it? Do we pursue it? Do we make it our life's goal? Because I'm telling you, life 
becomes more valuable and more purposeful and richer when we know Jesus. And when we walk with the Lord and we begin to know his ways and his character, what delights him, what grieves him. You see, it is to know what God is like, to know that he delights in showing kindness, justice, and righteousness. How do, how do we come to know God this way? There are two sets of circumstances where we come to know the Lord like this. First of all, Paul says we come to know Christ through the power of his resurrection. You see, one of the ways we, know, we get to know Jesus is the Spirit's power. The power of the resurrection, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Is that amazing? We have all this power and we don't even realize it. We don't even access it. I want to encourage our children. You know, there's so many movies out about superheroes, people with superpowers. I want you to know if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a superpower, the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. That's your superpower. And so... We know Christ by the power of his resurrection. When we, when we sing and worship, when we sense his presence, when we're moved by his word, when we're challenged by God's word, that power, the power of the resurrection, that helps us know who Jesus is. But I want to tell you, that's only one facet of knowing Christ. Secondly, we come to know Christ by sharing in his sufferings. Oh, wait a minute. That doesn't sound so good. That's the other side of the coin. You see, I want to tell you, if you only know Christ in the power of his resurrection, you don't fully know Christ. We also need to know Christ when we share in his suffering. You see, if we only know Jesus during the good times, our knowledge will be incomplete. In fact, it can probably be said we come to know the Lord more in bad times than in good. Isn't it true? Something happens to us. In times of sorrow and suffering, we usually pray more. We seek the Lord more and we spend more time in God's word because we're desperate. We're going through a hard time. And so we draw near to God. And that's good because if we draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. But I want us to understand that we come to know him more in the valley of the shadow of death than on the mountaintops of joy and peace. Now, thank God for the mountaintops. I'm glad God doesn't just leave us in the valley our whole lives. In fact, we, we need that, that resurrection power. But we also need to know that the, the struggle of life, the difficulties of life are helping you know Jesus. It's an opportunity for you to know more about the Lord. You'll find comfort in God's word. You'll begin to pray more fervently and more passionately and with greater faith. It is in the this, this suffering, it's in this, the fellowship of sharing in Christ's suffering that we, we see a whole other side of God we haven't seen before. You see, if you are hurting, if you are suffering, if you are grieving, determined to draw close to the Lord. Because when we turn to God in our time of trial and tribulation, He turns to us in consolation and encouragement. And so I can't stress this enough. Your, your life, I, I, this, is, this one's going to be a little hard for me to say. Football is not all there is to life. <laughs> I know, it's just, this is shocking, you, those of you who know me. 
I'm, I've shared this before. A, a church I pastored before, they got together and got me a shirt and said, Christ is life. Everything else is football. <laughs> I wore that shirt out, man. That was just perfect for me. But think of any other pursuit, any other hobby, any other work-related incident, whatever it may be, education, knowledge, all of those are important things, but they cannot compare to your number one purpose, and that is to know Jesus. When you become a believer in Jesus Christ, you start a journey, and it's a journey to know God, to know who he is, to, to feel his presence, to see his power witnessed, and to see what God does, the miracles and how he sets people free. I'm telling you, we got miracles all over the place because you were lost and now you're found. You were blind, but now you see. We got miracles all over in this room today. If you make knowing Christ your number one game plan for life, you will not be disappointed. Your life will have purpose and meaning the next step in our game plan is, number two, to press on. Here's the reality. None of us have arrived. And if you think you have arrived, you haven't. And if you think you have arrived, it's proof you haven't. No one is perfect, and no one is sinless except Jesus Christ. We've all sinned. We've all made mistakes and even though we're, we've accepted Christ, we still sin. And we need his forgiveness. And what's so important, though, realizing, because sometimes we grow weary. We grow tired of falling down. We get discouraged because we feel we should be over these things by now. But I want us to understand that we can't quit. We have to press on. We don't always understand everything, and things don't work out like we hoped and dreamed and planned, and, and sometimes we fail, and we fall down. But what's important is that we get up and press on. The, the word press on in the Greek is used figuratively of one who, in a race, runs swiftly to reach the goal. Now this word, it's very interesting. It literally means to pursue in a positive sense, or to persecute in a negative sense. And so this word press on is one word in the Greek, and it can mean a positive pursuit, you're chasing after something good, or it can be a persecution where you're hunting people down. And Paul fulfilled both meanings of this. You see, sometimes we see Paul as this spiritual giant, and he was, but he also had a past. He had, he had a terrible past. He did terrible things. Before he came to Christ, he persecuted Christians. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 9. We still see that after all this time, it still bothered Paul. He said, for I am the least of the apostles, and I do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Now, this is before Paul knew any better, but he was still responsible. And you can see the grief in his voice that he was one who actually hunted Christians down. He persecuted them. He hunted them down like a dog. And so we see that persecuted is the same Greek word for press on. And Paul had put Christians in prison and he, he split up families. He even sentenced some to death. 
However, as bad a sinner as he was, he became a great saint. I'm telling you, the worst sinners make the best saints because they know they need Jesus. They know they need forgiveness. They know they need grace. And so Paul, was the, he called himself the chief of all sinners. And so he took that passion to, to persecute the church. And he, when he came to Christ, he took that passion and he applied it to pursuing Jesus. Instead of hunting down Christians, he turned it to following after the Lord. And toward the end of his life, he had a great passion. He had more passion for Jesus than he had for persecuting Christians in the past. And at the end of his life, he challenged his protege, Timothy, with these words, 2 Timothy 2.22. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue. It's that same Greek word for press on. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. We are to press on, and we are to pursue these things. We're to pursue righteousness. We're to chase after faith and love and peace. Now, as I said, we, are not, we have not arrived, and we continually fall short, but we still press on. While we recognize that we're not perfect and we sometimes stumble and fall, we don't quit this is so important. I've, I've been grieved at times when I go back and I see people in my past, whether it was at college or high school, and I've seen some who were Christians who no longer serve the Lord. And it grieves my heart. And so we, we have to press on. Too many Christians get discouraged and become weary of trying and failing and are tempted to throw up our hands in despair and quit. I've learned the Christian life is not a sprint. I was a sprinter. I hated long distance. I still hate it to this day. Those of you who jog around town, what's wrong with you? Why do you do that? That's punishment. Don't you understand? I, I knew a, a person that loved to go lo running long distances, and I was like, and, and they said, it helps me think. And I said, wow. When I run long distance, I can't think of anything except that I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying. Why am I doing this? And so I was a sprinter, man. If it was over 50 yards, forget it. That's why I did pole vaulting and triple jumping and all those things, because you didn't have to run very far. But Christian life is not a sprint, and sometimes I try to pursue it like, man, I run hard, I run fast, and then I get tired when I ran track. I was quick out of the blocks, but I didn't have a second gear, so I would win the first 40 yards. Problem was, it was a 100-yard dash. <laughs> and these long legs, I'd see them in my peripheral vision just coming up behind me and then passing me and then leaving me in the dust. Life's not a sprint. It's not even a marathon. It's an Ironman triathlon. You know what I'm saying? The one where you have to swim a mile and bike forever and then run until your guts, you spit your guts up. Sorry, that's <laughs> gross. Some of you may remember the dramatic finish of Julie Moss in the Ironman Triathlon in February of 1982. I know that's a long time ago, but I remember. I watched it on TV. Yes, TV existed back then. <laughs> I was in high school, but I'll never forget it. Fifteen feet from the finish line, Julie lay fat, flat, 
not fat, flat on the pavement. She swam, bicycled, and ran a total of 140 miles. She was so exhausted, she had even lost control of her bodily functions. That's why I'm not showing you the video. She was so close to victory, but she had nothing left, and her 15 feet is all she had left. And she was laying out on the pavement, and to everyone's surprise and amazement, she got up and began to crawl for the finish line. Before she could reach it, another woman passed her and finished first. But no one really remembers that lady. What everyone remembers is Julie Moss crawling on her hands and knees toward the finish line, while the crowd and the TV audience cheering and shouting encouragement. When she finally crossed the finish line, the crowd went wild, and Julie Moss became an instant celebrity, not because she won, but because she pressed on and didn't quit even after her body did. She became famous not for winning, but for not quitting. The great victory in the Christian life is not how fast or what place you finish, but that you didn't quit, no matter what. Whatever you are facing today, don't quit. Too soon we give up on our marriages, we give up on our children, we give up on people, we give up on ourselves, and we give up on God 15 feet from the finish line. And so, Sometimes we live our lives in pursuit of the wrong things. We're like those greyhounds chasing a fake rabbit. And our lives are full of frustration because we are pursuing the wrong things. When we pursue after the wrong things, we end up lost and disillusioned. And so we must press on and pursue the right things. We must be committed to pressing on. And so step one of our game plan for life is to know Christ. Step two is to press on, to pursue. And finally, the last lap of our game plan is to, number three, take hold. We must press on and pursue Jesus before we can take hold of what he has for us. And what are we to take hold of? Before we can take hold of all these things Jesus has taken hold of for us, we must first let some things go. Before we can take hold, we must forget what is behind. We cannot hold on to the future until we let go of our past. We must stop looking back and living a life of regret. Is it just me or does anybody else have regrets at times? I have some of the stupidest regrets sometimes, usually sports related. But why do we keep looking back? I'm telling you, there's no time machine. You can't change the past. I tell myself this. And what's, what the problem is, is we're living so much in the past, we don't have a future. And so we got to let go of those things. We have to stop looking back. My coach would always tell us, don't look behind you when you're running. Don't look behind of who you're in front of. Because every time you look behind, you slow down. And so we have been slowed down in our Christian race because we keep looking back. And I know there's a lot of pain in the past. There are still things that keep us awake at night. 
There are still things we're healing from and we're grieving. It's real. But if we stay there, if we dwell there, then we'll never take hold of what Jesus has for us. We will never win in this life by going backward. And so we must forget what is behind. Forget our past sins. Forget our past mistakes and our past failures. We must go forward and strain toward what is ahead. The phrase straining toward is an athletic term. I promise it is. And it describes a runner leaning forward to break the tape. You ever seen that? When they lean forward to break the tape. Well, there was a time I did that. I was in junior high and we, our, our school had a dirt track. And so I had track shoes with super long spikes like this because it was a dirt track. So we had a track meet at another school and it was a rubber track. Oh, you see where this is going, don't you? It, you either know this story or you know me. And so our coach told us, all of us, got us together and says, all right, you need to take those long spikes out of your track shoes and use these little bitty spikes. Because this is a rubber track and you, you, if you, you keep those long spikes on, they'll get stuck. And so you need to put the little spikes on. I ignored him. What does he know? I'm in seventh grade. And so I ran the race. And at the end of the race, I did what you see on TV. The glorious breaking of the tape. I mean, I, I crossed the line and planted that foot, and it stayed there. <laughs> and there's this weird thing I learned in school called inertia. A body in motion continues in motion unless acted upon by another force. And I face planted on that rubber track, and I'm sure it squeaked. Whee! And I had the biggest red road rash that you've ever seen. Well, coach, did you change your spikes? No. The, you see, we, ha we have to lean forward, but we got to listen to our coach. The prize is only awarded to those who lean into it and finish the race and follow their coach. You don't get the prize until you finish the race. You see, we struggle taking hold of what Jesus has for us because we're looking for our reward right now. I'm telling you, the ceremony is in heaven. That's when the trophies and crowns and medals are passed out, the, the rewards of the faithful. That's, that's not here on this earth, that's in heaven because any reward here stays here. It's temporary. And so we're wondering, God, where's... Where's the band? Where's the, where's the reward? I've been faithful to you for 50 years. But you're not home yet. And so we haven't finished the race, so keep running. Press on. Take hold. And there is a few things that we're to take hold of. These are things Jesus took hold of for us. And we have to take hold of them from him. And the first thing we have to take hold of is God's love. Look at Ephesians 3, 17 and 18. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all, all the saints to grasp. It's the same Greek word for to take hold. 
How wide and long and deep and high is the love of Christ. So the, what are we to take hold of? We're to take hold of God's love. Do you believe God loves you? Do you believe he loves you so much he sent his only son to die for you? you got to take hold of that. There's no love like that. No one would do that for you or for me. Another thing we must take hold of is eternal life. Look at 1 Timothy 6.12. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And finally, we must also take hold of hope. Look at Hebrews 6.17. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. And God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as the anchor for the soul, firm and secure. So here's what Jesus took hold of for you by dying on the cross and rising from the dead. He took hold of these things. First of all, he took hold of love. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. There's nothing more power than the, than the love of Christ. And Jesus took hold of that love on the cross, and he offers it to you and me, but we got to take hold of that. We have to grasp it. And the other thing he has given us is eternal life to those who believe. And so you got to take hold of that eternal life. It's the gift of God for those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. And finally, hope. I don't know if you're feeling hopeless today. But there's always hope in Jesus Christ. It's something he took hold of for you. Think of the disciples before Jesus rose from the dead. They thought all was lost. All was lost. They had failed Jesus, all of them, especially Peter. And imagine when he showed up. Well, he's going to show up again. And all our hope will be worth it. And hope is what keeps us whole while we're waiting for heaven. Hope is what God has given us as we wait for heaven. There's more. Jesus took hold of our healing, our forgiveness, our blessing, our peace. There's so much Jesus took hold of because of his sacrifice on the cross. And we cannot take hold of these things on our own or outside of Jesus. Jesus took hold of these things. We can't take hold of them outside of Christ. We can't hold take hold of the good while we're still holding on to the bad. We got, and so if you're gonna take hold of these things, if you're gonna take hold of hope, you're gonna to have to let go of hopelessness. If you're gonna take hold of goodness, you gotta let go of bitterness. If you're gonna take hold of peace, you gotta let go of your angst and anger. If you're gonna take hold of faith, then you gotta let go of your fear. So this is a game plan for life. If we will only live like this, we will win. And so I challenge you today, know Christ. Make it your commitment, your purpose to know Christ. We know a lot of things. I got a new grill, bless God, finally showed up from Father's Day. Because I broke the old grill. Guys, if you want a new grill, break your old one. That's how, that's how you do it. But you got to make it look like an accident. And so I am reading the owner's manual because this is a Traeger grill. 
It's complicated. I'm used to just throwing things on a grill and walking away until it's burnt. And so I'm reading this manual. Man, it's pages. I'm just reading through it. And I'm starting to get excited about this this evening. Because it'll be the first time I use my trigger grill. Tri-tip, bless God. But I find that I am mesmerized by this manual. Are we mesmerized by God's manual? By his word? Because I'm telling you what, it tells us everything we know how to live this life. Everything we need to know is in the manual. But we got to read it. We got to live it. We got to embrace it. We got to grasp it. We got to hold on to it. We just ask if you would bow your heads and close your eyes today. Is there anyone here who has never given their life to Christ? We've had a lot of fun today, but this is life or death right now. If you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for the first time, or maybe you've drifted away from the Lord and you know you've got to come back home, I'm going to give you a chance to do that. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you, but you've got to make a statement. If you want to give your life to Jesus Christ today, I'm thank just you for tuning to in today. We are so excited that you right joined us. And you give your life to Christ. Just stand right where you're at. Yes, yes, and just remain standing. No one's looking around. God sees you. I see you. Yes, you may be seated. You took a, a bold stand for Jesus, and now I want to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to ask those that are Christians to join with me in this prayer. Would you, follow, would you join with them? We had several stand for the Lord today. First, let's give them a hand for making that stand. The Bible says, because you stood for him, he will stand for you. And so would you join with me in this prayer, everyone? Dear Jesus, I believe. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you rose from the dead and you're coming again. Dear Jesus, I receive. I receive your forgiveness. I receive eternal life. I take hold of hope. I take hold of your love. And I take hold of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, amen, let's, let's give the Lord a hand. That's okay. If you prayed that prayer today, would you take this info card and just mark the spot that says, I prayed to become a Christ follower. And put your name and information so we can contact you. We can get you a Bible if you need a Bible or if you... We can get you into a Sunday school class. We can get you into Celebrate Recovery. We've got a lot of great ministries available for you. But we just need to know that you prayed the prayer. Because we want to support you. Because you're a baby Christian now and you need others around you. And if you are online and you made that stand for Christ, I just ask you to text the word born again to 94090. Because the Bible says when you accept Christ, you become a new creation. You're born again. The old is gone. The new has come. Would you stand with me? I'm going to 
speak the blessing, and then pray over the meal. But I'm also gonna ask our elders and our board members to come forward at the front. If you need prayer, if you, if you made that stand, you took that stand, it's good to tell somebody. And so if you need prayer for anything, feel free to come forward after I pray. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you that people made a stand for Christ today. And Lord, I thank you that you will stand for us on that day. I pray you continue to bless our fellowship. Lord, let us just have a good time as family. Lord, we're a team. I just pray we draw closer to one another. Bless the food, bless our fellowship, and bless our fun. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You're free to go. If you chose to say yes to Christ today, we would love for you to text the word born again, all one word, to 94090. By doing so, you will receive more information on your next steps in following Christ. We meet every Sunday at 8.30 and 11 a.m. right here in Bakersfield, California. At 4901 California Avenue, we would love for you to join us in person. Also, we have a live stream service at 11 a.m. every Sunday morning. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook. If you'd like more information about Bakersfield First Assembly of God, you can search us on the internet at bakersfieldfirst.com. Thank you for joining us today and have a blessed week.